What's up, guys? Welcome to the Couple Nurses Podcast with your host, Matt Strachek, and myself, Peter Fendura. Hope you guys are having a good day. Make sure you guys check us out on Instagram, check out our YouTube, Facebook group. We got some posts coming up currently. They've been up. Having a good time everywhere. We are having a great time. Do you have the laughies today? I do. I feel like I'm And allergies. And allergies as well. So my eyes are red. This damn pollen around here. Stressing me out, man. Stressing your immune system, definitely. Dude, fall is the worst for me. So right now I'm feeling like it's 4 a.m. And I'm getting those late night laughies at work where I'm kind of joking around with my coworkers and just saying things that shouldn't be said. And we just crack some jokes. So that's how we're feeling today, guys. Full of energy. Peter finally got some sleep because he always looks tired. Actually, I did not get some sleep, actually. You did not. Yeah. Actually, I got a few hours. I got, I got enough to, you know, sustain life. Didn't you say... You are sustaining life. But didn't you say you had a hole in your drywall and you had to oh, man. call a plumber? That's ridiculous, yeah. So my damn ceiling started leaking in my kitchen and started dripping. And it formed like a giant bubble, which I pop with a knife. I'm glad so. you're Polish because, you know, you carried some buckets of water probably. Well, I, I used a bucket that I used to wash my floor with, you know. So it was conveniently there. Okay. I took out the rag. But yeah, but... I'm a, now I gotta reschedule my whole week and shit. What's what's new in your life? Well, I got a hole in my ceiling. You know, the leak has stopped, so that's, that's a good thing. You yeah. know, it's, it's a plus. Actually, we, we caught it fairly quickly, so um, the plumber's like, "Yeah, you guys caught it quickly." But I mean, and I gotta hire some. I do not feel like do, doing any more drywall. I'm just gonna hire somebody to fucking do it. Just do it. Yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll just paint over. I'll, I'll do the painting, but the drywall shit I ain't fucking with that. Too much drywall last time. All right. Well, let's get back on topic here. So, what are we talking about? So today we're going to talk about argumentative topics on nursing, anything that's debatable and it will spark some debate. So there's no right or wrong answer for what we say. And also the link between trans fats and early Alzheimer's, there shows a correlation in the blood serum that a Japanese study um, concluded. Yeah, it was a big study. It was a lot of people in there. Yeah, so this study took over 10 years to conclude. And that's a thing where it takes 10 years for us to find out something that we knew but we can't prove and it can't be taken off the shelves till there's a study. Yeah, and you got you to gotta prove your point. And it kind of sucks because a lot of times they prove these things unhealthy or damaging to your body. Like this is the one took 10 years. So we could have been doing something that's really bad for us for 10 years and we just find out, find out about it that it's bad for us today. Yeah. So imagine how much consumption we were you know, incurred. So trans fatty acids, they're known to increase heart disease, strokes, diabetes, but now they're saying it's linked to dementia. And what dementia is, for some people that don't know, it's an overall disease that kind of progresses and it's characterized by a decline in memory, language, problem solving, and thinking. And if you go into, it starts affecting your everyday abilities to do activities. And worst case of dementia that I've seen where the patient literally becomes nonverbal. So he literally loses his ability to use language, which is learned from childhood. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's actually really crazy. I know <clears throat> I know. I talked about it before, but like forgetfulness, like occasional forgetfulness, that's not a sign of dementia or anything like that. But if you're forgetting more than usual, and you know that's not just because you're getting older, you might actually have some dementia. There's a lot of times that we see people that refer to their friends by like their first names. And then, you know, the daughter comes in and they say, no, he's been dead for 10 years. Or sometimes patients say, "Oh, my wife, my wife," but their wife might have been passed, might have passed away five years ago, and it's 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 very interesting how this like disease takes over because, like on the outside, they look fine. You know, it's not like a broken leg where you know you, you could get a prosthetic or you know fix a broken leg. This is internal, and we don't know what, what goes on. Like, the person's generally healthy in the physical aspect, but in the mind, you know, they're sick. 
it's like they lose the perception of what's in front of them and they start replaying memories and they, they start creating reality out of it. It's, it's very interesting. And that's like, that's sometimes how the subconscious works too. If you go to bed, your subconscious is trying to make of what happened today. And if you had a stressful time in your day, you might dream about it because you're trying to resolve that issue in your mind. Right. So it seems like Alzheimer's is just, or dementia just activates old memories and they carry on to the, with the story. I don't know if you notice, sometimes they're, they're very f fearful when they have dementia. They tell these stories, you're like, what the heck, it's weird. Or imagine like, so, like you have a patient that's like 70 calling their mother mm -hmm. at late at night. Doesn't that creep you out at work? Yeah, man, especially because especially I used to work in a nursing home back in the day. I was a CNA, like a nurse for like two months of, of my career. And I did night shift and, you know, people would be calling random names because a lot of these people are sundown and that usually happens at night. They would come call random names or they would tell you stories or they would tell you what they did yesterday. And you're like, you know, that that never happened. And like the disease of the mind is always interesting because like I said before, it's like physically, you know, they could be healthy. It just like their mind, their mind is gone and they could do normal tasks to a certain extent before the disease completely takes over. Because there's like that middle ground of like Alzheimer's and dementia where you can still function, you can still go to a store, you can still drive a car, you can do all this thing, except your recollection of things happening, it's inaccurate. You refer too much of the past, so like your uh, short-term memory is gone, but your long-term memory is there, it's, it stays there. So I, found, I always find it very in interesting where people could, you know, shop around, do all these tasks, feed themselves, go to a store, drive a car, you know, pay bills. But when it comes to memory and remembering what they did yesterday, they would, they would forget. It must be affecting a certain part of the lobes. Yeah. But let's get back to the study of what exactly it showed. So the study was published by the Journal of Neurology, and it showed high levels of trans fats were linked to Alzheimer's and dementia, which increased by 50 to 75% your risk. And what's different from this study is usually they do health surveys and they give a little dietary surveys to find out what exactly the person's eating. But this, they started with people, 1,600 Japanese men and women that were at the age of 60 that did not start having dementia. And what they did is they checked the serum. What was the blood test? Uh, like uretic acid. Uretic, oh, yeah. sorry. I have it. Oh, let me tell you right now. It's basically... Elatic acid. Elatic acid. And that's basically part of the actual structure of the trans fat itself, right? Yeah, it is a, it is a trans fat. It's a molecule. Yeah. And so they analyzed 10 years and it showed the, showed the risk and... We know it's a real thing. Of course, this study says maybe because they can't give definite proof because all time or Alzheimer's could also be neurologically associated with genetics and things like that. But there is a strong correlation and the food industry loves using these trans fats. Why? They're cheap to produce. There's a longer shelf life and the texture. And that's anything from your cakes, your pies, anything that tastes super good, that's processed, the cookies. They all have it. And it even, it even it pisses me off because the peanut butter that we have at a hospital has the, what is it, hydro, hydro, hydrogenated, hydrogenated um, vegetable oil. Yeah. And what happens is your body's not able to break this oil down compared to a natural source of it. And so it just, works. Yes. And I guess it starts clotting something off. I don't know if it's vasculature, but somehow it's correlated. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that looks like, it's, it's crazy because... Like Matt said, this is a 10 year study, right? This is done 10 years ago or 10 years long. And we don't find out about these kind of studies until, you know, the 10 year marks so or, you know, behind on this aspect. But especially with the um, trans fats, at one point in 2013, the FDA made a judgment call saying that 
hydrogenated oils are no longer generally recognized as being safe to eat. And then, and they, then they slowly they try to push for these companies not to use it, but it's hard for these companies to not use it right now because that's what, what, they, what they use. That's like their staple ingredient of, of the, all the food that they're making. So we got to you know push for changes because clearly it says that this is not recognized as safe for consumption. Yeah. And we see this in all types of food still. And it's the reason why it's not safe because there's the correlation that's guaranteed within trans fats and um, strokes, diabetes, and heart disease. Mm -hmm. So in 2015, we were supposed to completely ban them off our shelf and the market, but the company started reaching out to the FDA and they're, they're granted extensions. So we have till January 1st of 2020 to actually see this happen. So we'll see if they actually um, comply with this. I don't think they're going to comply. You think they're going to ask for another extension? Oh, for sure. How many foods do you still see in a grocery store that, that, ha that have hydrogenic, hydrogenated um, oils? A lot. Exactly, yeah. It's not going to... The chips, not so much now. If you notice, everything is says zero trans fat. So that's a huge push for that. That's true. But all, I mean... I can't I wait. Like to, I can't wait till we start getting labels that says no high fructose corn syrup, because it still pisses me off when I buy ketchup and it says natural, natural, and the, the ingredient is high fructose corn syrup. Like, nah, dude, this shit's made in the yeah, lab. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like the whole it's a whole marketing ploy, like it is like marketing. natural and you know fat free or, or or low fat. You know, it's all it's all marketing ploy. So you actually gotta read the box because it's a lot easier to see the word natural and you think, oh, that's natural, good for me, instead of actually turning the label. So there's different. Because I don't think um, anybody regulates what these terms actually mean. So you can label it. If you have your own interpretation of, of the natural. Yeah. No, again, that comes to literacy mm -hmm. with nutritional labels and just bringing awareness, right? And that's a part of um, prevention medicine. Like, hey, why don't we teach these people how to actually read food labels? Mm -hmm. Just like the heart failure patients say, I don't eat any salt. Like, yeah, but you know that can of, uh, can of beans. beans or whatever mm -hmm. you're eating? Tons of salt. Yeah. And just like most... Things, you know, just like most things in society, you got to put a little extra effort to making yourself healthy. Like going to the gym, you got to actually go to the gym. If you want to eat healthy, you actually look at the nutrition label because because the pasta says whole grain doesn't mean necessarily good for you. I know, man. I'm trying to get away from bread and all that. Well, let's jump into these ar argumentative nursing topics. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be more just very opinion-based, just me and Peter's opinion of how we feel about these topics and just bring some awareness of maybe just to kind of spark your creativity of thinking when it comes to healthcare and our profession and where do we stand? Right, and if you guys, you know, have any topics that you want to hear us discuss or get our opinion on, feel free to, you know, let us know on YouTube or on Instagram. Just maybe you just want to hear us talk about a subject or, or another, or just hear us debate about something. Then feel free to share it with us. Or you want to hear us talk shit about each other? I'm down to do that. I'm down. Rally it up right here. Let's go into the first one, Peter. Is the role of a nurse more important than the role of a doctor? Uh, no. I would say it's not important. Um, I believe that doctors play a... But who's more important? I feel Let's doctors, be honest. I feel that doctors would be more important, to be honest. Well, I guess it depends on, on the situation. Right. Because um, we're doing actual patient-centered care, right? Yeah. yeah and so. we know how nurses feel where the doctor walks in, says some shit, here's a few orders, go figure it out. Or, you know, you call the doctor, hey, the patient's in uh, AFib or something. Okay, run amio, hangs up the damn phone. Okay, what's the dose? What's the rate? What's going on? Give me some. And we just have to type it in ourselves sometimes because doctors are the way that they are. Yeah, I mean, they're equally respectable job. Well, yeah, I guess you would say. Remember, this is controversial, so you have to yeah. kind of. I mean, I know, but just 
I feel like they each have their own role and they play it. But in general, I feel like doctors would, are more important than the nurses, to be honest. Okay. They are getting paid the bigger bucks. They are actually diagnosing the patient and doing things to save them. Yeah, yeah like I, I think I know a lot about certain disease processes. But then when I when you sit down and actually talk to a doctor, at least most doctors, you know, they give like a whole different perspective on the physiology of it. And you're just like, damn, yeah, that makes sense. So they are very knowledgeable. They went, they went to school longer. They know, usually they know um, more than us on certain topics. But of course, if you're like in a specialized field and you, you could probably get no more than attending on, on your specialized field. But yeah, I feel like doctors who went to school longer, it's more, um, I'd probably say they're, they're more important. Okay. Yeah. Case closed on that one. What's the next one? Where's the jab? Today would have yeah. been good to get the jab. Yeah, I'll knock. <laughs> Sorry. All right, so next know. one is, should medical professionals be given a global visa so that they can work wherever they are needed? I'm going to say no at this one because there is no standard healthcare globally. Like it's only per country. So American healthcare is different from another country. Therefore, you can't have somebody that comes from Middle Eastern country and just works here because they have no idea about anything. Even the simplest things like a sepsis bundle that we're really pushing. Mm -hmm. So as of now, I don't think we should have a global visa. I think that'd be something cool that we should work towards since we have a nursing shortage or there's turnover rates. Maybe people from a foreign country are going to be more thankful for what they have and where they are, and they won't switch jobs. And we, we won't have as high turnovers as you see now in all these little hospitals. Yeah, that makes sense. I have to agree with that one. I don't think people should have a, a like a global job visa or whatever, because like Matt said, it's healthcare is different. Like if you go to Europe, they treat certain diseases differently. We have different standards of care here than anywhere else. Like you probably get away with if you're like a like a like a tech, you could probably get away with with that working globally because you know some assets of patient care are global, and I'm sure a lot of healthcare between us, Canada, and like England or Germany is very similar to the to the, like the treatment of care procedures where you, you could travel between those countries. But a global one, that's probably would not work out, and especially if you go from here to like an Asian community where they have different common diseases, you're not gonna know how to take care of them. Like for the United States, heart failure is high, you know, but certain other places maybe alcoholism is high or mental disorders are, are high. And that's what they mean. That's what they mainly treat. Maybe. Focus. Mm, like there's a lot of pollution in, in China. Maybe there's like a lot of respiratory diseases going on. Maybe they're more common than cardiac diseases. So you wouldn't really be, uh, you would be helpful in certain aspects, like more of the hands-on things, but through the thinking process and the disease process and education, you, you would probably lack on because you would not know how these things are treated. Yeah. I agree with that one. Next question. What is the ideal working relationship between a nurse and a doctor? Um, professional. Um, same way, I guess, that we see in a hospital where doctor gives orders, nurse does completely orders, but you also got to have two-way communication. Or the doctor shouldn't like feel less of a person or less knowledgeable if they don't know a certain disease process. Like they should. Are you talking about a nurse or the doctor right now? Both. I'm talking about doctor both. right now. Okay. So if, you know, the doctor should be giving orders, he should be the one that's kind of leading, but it's, you know, you should be getting a nurse's opinion too because they're working hands out with the patient and it's always good to, you know, have somebody else maybe think outside the box. We have the nursing model, they have the medical model and we kind of are, collaborate. We, we collaborate and our thinking process a lot of times is, is different. So the doctor might know certain things, but a nurse might catch certain things that might influence the doctor's opinion. And that does happen. Yeah, and then same with, with the nurses. Um, you should feel, feel free to ask 
you know, questions about care. Like, why are we doing this? Because even though you know why, you're, even though um, you know this is standard practice, a lot of times we don't know why this is standard practice. Like a lot of times we know we give ACE inhibitors to people with cardiac disease as a, as a first line, but why is it first line? I love having conversations mm-hmm. like that with a doctor. For example, um, there was a guy that had a giant bowel procedure and he was bleeding from his fundus and surgery consulted or an eventual radiology to go in there, maybe embolize an artery, meaning cauterize it, burn it so it stops the bleeding. And I asked our doctor, why don't you want to do it? Well, if surgery is going to go in there tomorrow, they're going to need some fresh tissue. And why would I embolize an artery? Then he's not going to have no tissue to work with. What is he going to suture together? So I love having conversation where I don't feel less than the doctor and I'm able to have this conversation. Hey, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. So sometimes even as a nurse, this relationship, don't feel less than the other. Have that equality within yourself and have a genuine conversation. There's doctors that are dicks and that's just the reality of it. They have that God syndrome, but for the most part, try to push for that relationship. Okay, That'd be pretty cool, I think. Yeah, that's that's um, some good stuff right there. Genuine stuff. You can need to route the question because for some reason I can't log into my Gmail right now. Middle of the show, huh? You should have been prepared. I I was fine before. It just signed me out right now for some reason, so. Next one. How are the... How are the impacts of nurses and doctors in healthcare field different? And that's a that's like almost the same question like the one before. Yeah. So we see that the doctor's more he's more looking at the body like a mechanic. He knows how to fix it, but he doesn't have He knows what has to be done to fix it. He knows what has to be done. We are the the hands of the person knows how to fix it and try to get it done. We just have a different spin on things where we're more empathetic, we're more compassionate, and we take the time with our patients because they're in a very uncertain area of life. We help them with their mental struggle in the hospital to kind of overcome everything they're struggling with. The doctor's more like, hey, yo, Pete, what's up? You know what? You got that breast cancer. Look at your um, irregular ass nipple. We're going to have to cut it out, okay? Peter's like, oh, shit, I have an irregular nipple. What if I have cancer? And then a nurse comes in, Peter, I know you're I know you're fearful, but everything is going to be okay. We're gonna biopsy this nipple. And even though it's irregular, Peter, I think it might be benign. <laughs> so we're like the doc the doctor is very rational. And then we have this hopefully you still have your compassion because nursing does suck sometimes, I'm not gonna lie. It gets rough and you forget about that, right? But that's the role that's different in between a nurse and a doctor. Yeah, like or we are essentially the middleman. Yeah. You know, and like Matt said, doctor comes in, he says his statement because He's got to look at the look at the whole deal, and you know he's got to treat that tumor as as cancerous to get it out, just just in case, you know, because if he doesn't treat it as cancerous, then the chance for it spreading, you know, get bigger, and it could be cancer. Then you kind of misdiagnose somebody, and you're kind of got to be there, just you know, just to get back into reality, like, hey, this is cancerous, but you know, it could be benign as well. One hundred percent sure till we biopsy it. So yeah, yeah, completely right. And then um, a fan in the back over there, for those that people are curious, Peter, do you have an irregular nipple? I don't have a regular nipple. Okay. Do you have a regular nipple? No, but this was just part of the story that I just made up right now. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody would be wondering if you have a regular nipple. No, I don't know. I don't think so. My cousin has an extra nipple. Does he really? Yeah, like a small extra nipple. I think it's a, then like his where, the upper, ni- upper right quadrant. Where's the third nipple located? Upper right quadrant, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Of the chest? Yeah. Or of the stomach? Left. It's like located under his chest. His chest. So it's like, I forgot. I think it's, it's okay to wear it. But he's for sure got a third nipple. That's for sure. Let's make fun of him. Does he have like sensitive nerve nerve endings there? I've I've never I can't say I've never sucked or touched his nipple. Okay, because I was I wondering. Touched it. So 
I don't think it felt anything. If he gets the third nipple sucked compared to his other two nipples, mm. do you think he has the same sensation in the third nipple? I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure if he likes getting his nipples sucked. So I mean, but if sure. he did, let's just say. What if he, I mean, if, if he did, then um, do you like getting your nipples sucked? I mean, he's a guy. I don't know if, I don't know too much guys that like to get their nipples sucked. But some people do. But do you like getting your nipples sucked? This is why we need a premium account here, man. <laughs> Some off-topic stuff. Why are you nervous? Why are you can't, nervous? Can't say it doesn't. Can't say it feels bad. Uh huh. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I don't think I've got my nipple sucked. But anyways, I'm sure next week people want to know. Think. If, we'll yeah, can we'll you please ask this man? Just please ask him if the nipple feels different, man. Anyways, let's move on. I don't buy Rudy's. I don't know if you're self-conscious about it because I used to make fun of him for it. So I don't know if we saw conscious about it now. So, so we, we talked about suicide risks and yeah. in, in teenagers. Was, you increased the risk of your cousin, yeah. bro. I know. No, he's he's fine. Imagine he if, imagine if he came home and his dad bashes him too about his third nipple, and then at yeah, school, and then his good old Peter cousin is bashing him too. Imagine how he feels. No, nah, it wasn't that bad. I, I don't know, like you know. Every day I had to bring it up. Just once in a while, you okay. know. When, when he like we, when he took his shirt off, you know, in the summer, and I forgot that he had it, and I'm like, oh, how's your third nipple? Yeah. yeah. Did it grow hairs? I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen it recently. Okay, we're done, man. You know, we're, we're painting a vivid picture yeah, for people. I mean, I could try and come over to his house and take his shirt off real quick. Examine. Do you have the questions open? I do now. Okay, do. so let's read the next one because I kind of answered my own question. Okay, so, so which one? Is, I think we are on the one. Do you think that the patient suffers as a result of more pressure on the nurse related to working conditions? This is the one I got. I like this one. Yes. I think healthcare is being bullshit now because of the grid everything is becoming more okay the nurses are doing the, doing this bad or let's just say they notice that there's more increase of pressure ulcer injuries in the hospital so patients are getting more wounds because laying in bed for too long and they don't understand that why why is this happening because we're freaking stressed out i'm running around i don't have time to sit down and eat sometimes but the smallest things can be neglected like making sure my patient is repositioned making sure all the sheets are not wrinkled out where it, they're prone to, you know, getting uh, sheer friction or pressure ulcers. GTIs, whatever. yeah. Yeah. So, yes, the patient is suffering because you guys are changing the grid or just recently happened in the hospital that I'm still working for now before I go travel nursing. They changed the grid where if there's three nurses and there's a um, patient or if there's a nurse open for a room or admission, the nurse goes home and the charge takes a patient. I take the second one. Yeah. Like, that's just goofy. They're just... They're trying to make money in every aspect and they're ruining the frontline nurses and that is causing more meta errors. It's causing all these little injuries that could be prevented. And you know how they you know what they you know how they combat that? They say, We're gonna sign a binder now and everybody has to sign it that we checked four eye skin and stuff. Like they punish us for things that are not being done, but they're not realizing why it's not being done. Mm -hmm. So they're treating it like anything else in America, putting a bandage on the symptom. Yeah, blame it on nurses, you know, hey, you know, well, you know, some things you can't prevent, but there is nurses out there that provide like poor nursing care, you could say. And as a, as a result, you know, people suffer and sometimes the hospital does. But I'm just curious, on your grid, so if there's five patients, you can only have two nurses and one charge, right? And well, then you would have two patients each and a charge would take a patient? Yes. So that- and then. Because originally there was one nurse that had an open bed, right? Mm -hmm. Open for admission. But because it's past one o'clock, they're like, okay, guys, well, the the unit cannot pay for this many nurses. So now the charge has to take one and one nurse leaves and that second nurse picks up the other patient. So there's five patients total in the 
in the unit. So the charge gets one and each nurse gets two or? Yes. Or the two nurses get three and two? No. Two, two, one. So that will, and then if a patient comes in, a nurse picks up a third patient, right? That charge has to take a second one usually or we get oh, tripled. Shit. And that's what happened that night when that's when this grid thing happened. And it's bullshit. Especially, dude, imagine, like... And then the charge nurse has to do all these yeah. audits. They have to do more. They have to make the schedule. If there's a rapid in this hospital, they have to respond. So, dude, you're stressing this charge nurse out. And then you wonder why no one wants to take the position. Mm-hmm. No one wants to get paid a dollar more for all this stress. Like, no it's way. not worth your quality of life, man. Like, look at me. Like, I love being involved in all this and trying to make a difference. But do I want to do it in a hospital setting? No, because they just keep taking advantage of me. Like, I'm not able to shine and do things the way I do. For example, like right now where we're having an open discussion and there's a lot of people listening. Right, yeah. Especially with that with the being charged and having a patient. Like, I've had that before and it sucks because you're responsible for the whole unit. If there's an emergency going on, you're the one that these nurses call. So you got to not only, you know, take care of the whole unit, you also got to deal with full patient care with, with this one patient. Yes. And it, it sucks. And plus, you know, if they're charged, you're doing all this paperwork that you got to finish by the morning. You gotta make this for us. You gotta make the schedule for for the morning shift, and like it all adds up. It might might not seem like too much, like oh, I just have one patient, but all that one patient plus the whole unit plus whatever else else I gotta do, and, and that's definitely it's not fair. So the question being, does patient care suffer as a result of like pressure on nurses? Oh yeah, yes. Oh yeah, especially if you have like even getting tripled in the ICU. Well, someone's gonna gonna suffer. You know, let's say you have a balloon pump and like two vented patients that are you know not doing or they could be doing fine. But the fact that you have two went patients, you still got to run on them every hour or every two hours. And then you might miss out on doing your pulses every hour for the, for the bloom pump. And you never know, they might you know get a cloud or something might happen. Bloom pump might mis- misfunction. You know, you, you don't catch that in time. Just because, you know, you're, you're stressed because you got this extra workload. Yeah. And that's why if you're a non-medical professional, you should. Sorry. Jesus Christ. Thunder. Wake up. Wake up, guys. Don't sleep. Focus on the road. Focus on cutting the grass or whatever you're doing right now. You are right. And people that are non-medical, they should hear this and hear outcry and try to push for unions or better patient staffing and all that because we are suffering and we are being less conscious of what the patient is doing because we're so bombarded with things. And we only are going to be more bombarded unless we make a difference. I'm going to start a union one of these days or make some kind of rally. But let's move on because we're never going to get through these questions. Is nursing a woman's job? Should the government encourage men to become nurses? Um, I do not think it's a woman's job. I mean, clearly, I don't think it's a woman's job. If I'm but it started off as one in history. Yeah, well, whatever. Do you know, CEO jobs were most male dominant. You know, and yeah. Now we have women everywhere. Like same with physicians. You know, it's things. It's twenty first century now. Yes. Yeah. Like male or female shouldn't be like an excuse for you to do one thing or not do one thing. Even like engineers. Engineers is a majority male field. Field, but there's females up there trying to do engineering. So everything is more. It's like I say, unisex, like it shouldn't, like your sex shouldn't matter on what kind of career choices you have. It shouldn't, but I feel like we still get looked at like that because, think so? yes, because we're taking care of older generations usually, right? And look at the 60-year-old grandma, or not a grandma, 60, that's not that old. Well, let's, average, do, let's do 75. Average age or average life expectancy for a male in the United States is 66.9 years. So that means your grandpa by like 45 or 50. It's, that's actually crazy when I read that online. But that was 2016, so maybe it's higher this time. But it's, it's relevant. Yeah. So what I wanted to say is you still have those older grandmas that are like, can I get a female nurse? Because you don't want to, they don't want to see you on the bedpan or something like that. So we're so it is still, you want to call that sexist to that degree where there's still people that are viewing us like, oh, that's a male. He shouldn't be doing all these 
basic or like there is a preference for females sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, you shouldn't you shouldn't take it that way because yeah. oh, I know. Um, it. I don't want to be a dick, but eventually people are gonna die, and you're not gonna have that thought process anymore. Same with like communism. Like some people are still pro communism or whatever, or you know, you still have um, the KKK where they're anti-black for whatever reason, you know, yeah. and eventually those people are going to die out because there's there's not going to have any, any more funnel for those kind of ideas. And once you don't have anybody to support those ideas, you're not going to have them anymore. But you're always going to have some new crazy ones that come up, and that's just mm-hmm. a cycle of life. Like Scientology. Scientology, well, it's off topic. I'm not going to start on Scientology. Well, hey man, if it's out. good, you could crack a joke. I'm Scientology, Scientology started as like a big land grab in Florida, according to Joe Rogan's, one of Joe Rogan's podcasts. Where they own like a bunch of property in um in Florida, and they kind of use it to bypass uh, taxes because you know they're considered like a church. Yep, that's why Vatican's just making hella money. Mm-hmm. We should have a church for church of nurses. What do you want to fund with it though? Can't be anything illegal. So what, what would you legally do? <laughs> but it has to be illegal. Why does your first thought process is something illegal, huh? Because we gotta I, make some money, but we can't do it illegally. <laughs> so let's open up. Well, because you're like, we can't. Let's make some money. Let's open up a church. Well, what are we gonna do? What's the point of it? What are we hiding? Not hiding anything. Just being charitable. My money's already in Panama, so I'm not hiding my money. Okay. Should night nurses make more uh, than day shift nurses? Oh yeah, for sure. What other incentive would you would you? So give biased. Here we're both night shift nurses. Yeah. Hell yeah. If, give us more money. If I mean, if I didn't have more money, I would not be doing night shift. I'm doing it just for differential because yes, that, that's that's a, what other incentive would you give a, a lunch coupon? You know, no. If you want me to be a half zombie, you know, in the early years of my life, then yeah, give me more money. Let me at least make some more money out of it because I'm not gonna stay up all night for somebody and get paid same amount as somebody that does it during the day. Yeah, I'm willing to change soon. When I come back from Cali, man, putting a toll on my life. But yeah, ha- give us more because maybe what's the average? I think you make probably a little bit over five k. Depends where you are, what your differential is. Mm-hmm. That's that's a little bit of change. It's not gonna lie. That's helping me out. It's helping me fund this podcast. That's why I work night shift. I wonder whose idea or who thinks that night shift should not have any um, like any price incentive. It's I just a to- it's just a topic because sometimes they're like, oh, you guys are night shift. You guys are just you know the whole playing cards thing, or you guys have it easy. Like, well, yeah, we have less resources and techs, and like we have to like figure everything out. Like, I feel like. Be, being a night shift nurse, you're so much more independent because you don't have the doctor to rely yeah. on, at least these smaller hospitals, and I'm always trying to figure shit out. Like, should I call a doctor, you know, oh, he's peeing here to, you know, 30 mLs. Like, that's very, what is it called? Almost, it's like borderline. Yeah. Should you give him a secret bolus? Nursing bolus. Have you guys heard about the secret boluses? Uh-huh. Sometimes you got to give a bolus. Yeah. Yeah, and like nighttime, uh, you have less resource, so you're kind of a little bit more prone to risk your behavior because you kind of got to figure out things quick. So Risky behavior. Gotta, hmm? I Like riskier behavior, I would uh-huh. say. Like you better, I, you not better like, maintain your license, Peter. No, I'm not saying like anything know, crazy. Like you're giving meds without being prescribed, but you know, like you're more willing to give the atropine before calling a doctor compared to, you know, as a day shift, you have the resource. So you just call the PA or the, or the attending or whoever or resident, yeah. whoever's there, and they, they come with you and they give the atropine. You kind of, you know, you give it before. If it's ordered, you give it. A lot of times our nurses are hesitant at, like, giving atropine just because it's ordered. They still want that somebody, like, uh, they're just, just in case. So they'll call mm-hmm. the physician first, and they'll go in together, give the atropine compared to us where we just give the atropine because it's ordered PR and as needed if you need to give it. And you give it, and then if it resolves, you know, you call doctor, you know, this happened, it's resolved now. Or you 
say, hey, some of them. You try to troubleshoot some stuff before you, do. you call because you, you know you have to because they're going to ask the question like, uh, yeah. he's going to get pissed. Yeah, and you're kind of more liberty because like you got to do something. You can't just, you know, wait for a call back. Like me on day shift, I could get a doctor in there probably within five minutes or the resident. For us, by the time your page is back, it's going to be at least 15 minutes. You know, and then by that time, the page could be coding. So yeah, that's why I'm saying a little bit more risky. Instead of waiting it out, you kind of got to do it now and see what happens. I feel you. Because even if you don't, if you don't give the atropine, like I said, you're going to code or you're not, you're not really doing anything, you know, to solve the problem. You're just you, looking you at the patient. You got to troubleshoot. Yeah. Uh, next question This is, one, we're going to spice it up. Let's go. Should nurses be given bonuses for, for patient, patient outcomes? What do you think? I'm going to be silent for a second. Let's see hear that airplane there i mean to be honest legally technically you can't you can't we, can't we can't even take a gift card we usually take food but you know what every single profession like sales and all this stuff they have that incentive that makes you work harder and we know that yes we work harder for our patients but i think that'd be pretty cool if we kind of ran a test on like giving a little bonus for patient outcome. that'd be, cool. be hard to like like scale like how would you know if someone's giving good patient care like, yeah. what are you going to do with those asshole patients, you know, that are never satisfied? Now, what do you run in like a month or you keep getting those? Are people going to look at you as a less of a nurse because you're not hitting, hitting your goals? Well, yeah, but you're using it as just being observed from a survey. Imagine if you're doing from a survey, like the outcome, like, hey, you just saved this so you're gonna let person's a, life. So you want to let a, a patient's opinion about their care um, judge how you are as, as like a nurse? So that, saying, that's how we get judged, unfortunately. Yeah, a lot of these... As, a lot of these surveys are like one, two, three, and four. But if you don't get the fours, then that doesn't mean shit. Like you, right. you get, you don't get the, if you don't get the, the five stars, then it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter if you got four, sorry, four or four and a half, if you get the five stars. So, you know, that doesn't count. So imagine if you get those patients that, yeah, they coded, you got them out of, you know, they basically died on you and you brought her back to life and now they're walking home, but they're pissed off because they remember just the last month of their hospital stay and or, they weren't satisfied with their meals or because they weren't given the bedpan in time. Like it'll be, it'll be, it's, it's a good idea if you could find an honest and good way of judging someone's, you know, nursing care. And you can't. And that's why these surveys suck because, yeah, just like you said, you're running around and trying to save this person's life and he's, he's going to give you a bad review because it took you an hour to bring the toothbrush and toothpaste or something. Yeah, and it's true. And then what are you going to like, you could base it off numbers as well. It's easier for sales because you could base it off numbers where you have the data right there in front of you. Like, hey, this guy made this much sales. You know, it doesn't matter that you got a, a bad customer once in a while because it's a game of numbers. Like, the more customers you call, the more money you ultimately make because you can read out the, those bad calls. And with with nursing care, you can't really you can't really do that. Like, I'd say somebody comes in with a central line from that was placed at home, and now they got now they're septic. Like, is that your fault because they want septic? You know, they're their WBCs were borderline when they came in, borderline high, but they weren't still high. And now, you know, two days later, he's now septic. And is it because you didn't catch it on time? No, because the patient was something already coming in. But you gotta, like, that's hard to show on paper. You know, all they're gonna see is patient came with WBCs of this, this, and this, because you don't have a story attached to each to each paperwork that you see. Like, when you do sales, you just have numbers. You don't have how the patient acted, how you responded. You just have numbers. Say when there's, if you just show numbers, a lot of times the story is, is is hidden with the numbers. Like I said, if somebody comes with borderline WBCs and next day they have elevated WBCs, is it because you know you cause a sepsis? No, but they're gonna it's gonna show that hey, you had this patient for three days and now he's septic. Yeah, yeah, but the pick was placed before he got here. He was not compliant. This, this, and this. That's hard to show on paper, you know. So it'd be cool, but it's be looking at it from a rational standpoint. It'd be very hard to track. Mm -hmm. 
to give these um, incentives based on outcomes. Yeah, I'm, I'm for it. I provide great patient care, so I'll, I'll be all for it. But just say, if you can gauge properly, then yeah. yeah. Peter puts baby powder on everybody's butt at night. Actually, I mean, yeah. Sometimes, I like, yeah. To be honest, if I see some redness, dude, because, you know, I understand. <laughs> Go grab the cream right away. You know I'm saying? I understand, like, chafing, you know. A lot of times, you know, you, you chafe, you're playing, Wait, who's, playing sports. What's chafe for some people? Like, when you have, you know, when you have, um, your, your, like a, like your a red, skin like is, redness is like your skin's getting um, kind of cut by your underwear or by your shorts if you're, you're playing usually sports in the groin area in the groin area and it burns you know so I, I can imagine if you're sitting in a hospital bed you know you've been there for four days and you got you know you're chafing that pain's always there you can't move you yeah. know especially if you're like if like you're heavier you gotta put some cream on there because that's uncomfortable and they can't get rid of that they're 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 stuck that they can't move you know and, so, you're, so you're the cream man dude yeah lube up real good nice. Sometimes I like to do that too. You know, you're kind of washing the patient's back and you kind of clap them, rub them, just kind of give them that little, just, I don't know. They, feel, they like it. <laughs> they like it. I know they do. Those ventilated patients, when I rub their back a little bit. Heart rate goes up a little bit, huh? Yeah. <laughs> they, feel the, they feel that love energy just coming into them and it just gives them that tingling sensation. And there you go. We say, hallelujah. <laughs> right, three, so I'm giving a bath. Okay. Next question. Does working more hours impact the quality of work done by nurses? So is this like, Maybe this 12 is, hour, is the 12 hours worse than eight hours or vice versa. And we already talked about this. Yeah. We know we like 12 hours. We like the four days off because being five days or four days in the hospital drive me nuts. Mm -hmm. So that's out of the loop. But this is maybe let's just look at this question like over time. If you did pick up a fourth shift or it's going to definitely affect the quality. Yeah, definitely. I think, well, there's been studies that shown not specifically on nursing, but in um, like cubicle environments or like business corporation things like that doesn't not in the healthcare area just like other areas where they're you know where they do mostly nine to fives and they did studies on those like a 12-hour shift versus like an eight-hour shift the eight-hour shift does show to be more productive than 12-hour shifts okay but that, that was out of medical field i'm not sure how, what the studies show in medical field but you know i would definitely not want to do eight-hour shifts we did eight-hour shifts in oakland right yeah and that was that was actually that wasn't as bad as i thought it would be but i feel like i had to work every day every day on top of everything else I had to do. I feel like when I do 12s, I at least get the stretch of like at least four days off in a row. So I prefer for a 12. But do I think it impacts uh, care I for nurses? I don't think so, actually. I think it probably, I think for nurses, it makes better care because you're going to be switching off to one nurse instead of two. Yeah. A lot of, the when you switch off more, when you, when you switch off more reports, things get lost. You forget to mention things and a lot of times medical errors happen that way. And then also we talked about like the accountability mm -hmm. because when you're working a 12-hour shift, you're going to usually see that nurse back. So if you've effed up some shit, you might get it, you know, brought up back. But if you're working eight hours, you could get away with things and you're not going to hear it from that nurse because you're not going to see him again because there's going to be another nurse when you come back because you're doing three shift rotations, which is another thing for accountability. Yeah. yeah I like them. I would definitely, yeah. I prefer 12, but I don't think it's, it really impacts work uh, that much, if, if any, doing 12s. And this kind of leads to the other question where, do you see negative health effects resulting from taxing hours? And I think so, yes. And it's not necessarily the hours that we do because working, let's just say average 37, 38 hours a week, almost 40, right? That, that doesn't affect me. But what affects me is the amount of work I'm doing in those hours when it comes to stress or you know, they keep moving um, the supply areas around. So I'm running around looking for supplies, which makes shit hard for me. Then things aren't um, properly, you know, um, what is it called? Stored. Mm. 
I'm looking for equipment. So sometimes the scavenger heart part of nursing is more taxing and it gets aggravating because then you have to worry about the, you know, patient care and all that. Yeah. For me, I do, at least I, I believe I do a good job of separating myself from the work. But the thing that is hard to separate is like the sleep, like doing night shift. Like it's always hard. That first day out of work is always hard to transition back. So I don't, you know, I don't think, let's see, negative. Are negative health effects on a patient or negative health effects on us? This question. This is about us. About us? Okay. This is yeah. self-love. Yeah, well, definitely. If you work a lot of hours, especially in a high stressful job like nursing, you're going to tire yourself out. You're going to be that nurse that is 40 years old, will look 60, you know, things like that. You got to be able to manage yourself outside of work. Because a lot of these nurses I talk to, like I'm hanging out with them outside of work and they're thinking about work. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are you thinking about work? Like, you know, oh, because I wonder if, if I did this or I should have done this. Like, it's bad. Like, it's, it's not like there's sometimes you do think back on patients and how they kind of, how their disease progressed. Like, that, that, that's fine. But if you're thinking about so into a word, you're like, you know, damn, I should have brought that bedpan that one time or, or something. Something like little things like that. Like, if it has a negative yeah. spin where it's like, oh, I should have done this and, but this was the outcome. That'll mess with you. Yeah. But you have a, if you have a patient that's like been in the unit for 20 days and you don't get them that day, you're like, hey, how's um, Mr. Smith doing? And you kind of want to f- see how he's doing and, you, and it gets you happy when he's progressing. Yeah, that's true. And, and then also, does it bring up poor health effect for the patient? I believe so, yeah, because if I feel overworked, um, probably not going to do things, you know, as accurate as I would normally would do when I was awake, fully functional, you know, 100%. Because that night number three, for me, not, not so much. For me, the hardest night is night number one, getting used to used to, used to um, you know staying up the whole night. But night number two and three are, are usually okay for me. But a lot of nurses, their their worst night is night number three. That's when they kind of just are kind of overworked because they just work two nights. Maybe those two nights were busy, and now you're here's your third night. It's still busy, and you're kind of just tired. So you kind of try to just take shortcuts, or you put off certain tasks for later on in the night, and then you don't get to them. And things like that happen, or like you, like I said, you know, you you miss something. You're prone to doing less work, and just because not because you want to, but you're you're physically tired, and you know it, you're mentally not in it. No, I completely agree, man. And on top of night shift, three nights in a row, you're like fatigued, and like that critical thinking is a little bit. It's harder to access it because, like, I almost feel like nursing is almost like a state of flow. Sometimes like you get into the zone where you know exactly what's going on down, and you're getting your shit done. And then that third day, it's just hard to access that and you get distracted easily or you can't think or you can't put the two together or you start walking back and forth for the silly stuff because you forgot where things are. Yeah, like I said, for me, the first day back is always the worst. It's always a slow start. I'm just like, damn, you know, it's, it's, I'm so tired. It's like four o'clock in the morning. But night number two and three, you know, they're actually pretty chill. I'm actually probably better on my third night than I am on my, on my first night. Especially if you have the same patients. Yeah, because then you're kind of just like, I'm going home tomorrow, just be a little extra, you know, joke around with the patient a little more because, you know, you do feel good that you're off the next day. But yeah, but some nurses really struggle if they do three in a row and then a third night, they're always like, you know, heavy eyes and just tired, dragging their feet, things like that. Maybe we should end this one soon, huh? One more question. approaching another 40 over 40 minutes. Why should we do the last question? So should nursing unions become more popular? And that's something that has been really sparking my interest in the past few weeks, months, and just being in Oakland and seeing it, I feel like we keep taking shit from these hospitals and we keep just, you know, they keep changing the grid, they keep changing this, they keep making our conditions harder to work and we still have to do it. We can't say no, that's the F'd up part. 
we don't have the backing of a union. And I used to hate the unions because I used to work at UPS and the lazy people used to just take advantage of it. And they used to do the bare minimum and they did that and they pissed the management off and they couldn't do anything about it. But when it comes to patient care and nursing, nurses always having the best interest of the patient, unions would help because they would protect us. They would guarantee us these breaks and lunches that we're not getting here. And it would just create better working environments for us. Yeah, I, I agree. I think nursing f- unions are different from any other unions because as nurses, we generally go into nursing wanting to help somebody. Yeah, so we have the right intentions. Yeah, we have the right intentions. That's why a lot of times you get overworked because it's hard for us to say no because it does involve patient care because we know if you know we don't do a little extra, patients are going to suffer. And there's times where you, know, you got to say no to the little extra, but a lot of times we're more inclined to say yeah and get overworked. Especially with these unions, you know, you get more standards of, of care, I would say. Yeah. Everything is more standardized. You get, everyone knows their role. But I've only worked with one union, and that was, you know, in Oakland. I know you've worked with UPS and saw some negatives of the union, unions because it is hard to hire people and, or not hire people, but fire people because, you know, your union, you're, you're bound by contracts. And a lot of times there's issues with management and actual employees, you know, butting heads. It's hard to agree on things because nurses want one thing, managers want one thing, and if they get into like a rivalry, it's not healthy. And there's union dues where some people don't want to pay pay the percentage of, of their you know income for union dues. But when I looked it up online, it was like 400 or 500 a year, which I don't think it's, it's even it's that not bad. bad. Yeah, for you, to, for you to get your break and for you to have a guaranteed job, a guaranteed raise, and and just the fact that you have the, the union book that states what you can and cannot do, yeah. that just physically helps a lot. And you kind of know, know your limits and you kind of know your scope of practice a little yeah. more. Even if you mentioned their guaranteed raises, yeah, right now we have like a merger between um, multiple two health healthcare systems, and we were supposed to get a raise in October, but we're not. We're not getting a raise till January because mm-hmm. there's conflicting raises and they have to figure out a system. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm quitting in November, so now I need to call them and next year and hey, this hospital, I have to get my back pay for a month. And I, and I left. And that's going to be something I have to do. So you're right. Unions allow for that to happen. And because there's unions, you're going to be less stressed out. You may be pr- more prone to picking up an extra shift or two, two right? That's going to pay for that extra 500 bucks annually that you're paying for the union. So I, I'm really for it. I wish maybe we could start something, man. Like that's totally possible. We could push something for that. You better best believe if you push for it in your hospital, you might get fired. Yeah, you might. Uh, but... It's all about numbers. If you get a big majority of people to do this with you, or like, look, they're striking, they're doing nursing, it's going to happen. They're not going to fire a whole hospital. They'll fire you, but if you're... They can't technically fire you for wanting to start a union. Trust me, dude, shit happens, dude. Yeah, you won't get fired for starting a union, but you'll get fired for, you know, like... They'll make sure uh, you did something. Like suboptimal patient outcomes or or something like that or something. Or they could just tell you, you're not really fit for this union or you're not really fit for this this unit. But yeah, a lot of times it's the main issue like everywhere else is just the cost. You know, the the hospital has to pay 25%, 35% more of their income devoted to to nurses. Like that's like the CEO is getting less money and vice presidents and all all those people. But benefits go to nurses. But benefits could go to anybody. But some hospitals I know have like nurses union but don't have tech unions. Or they have like physician unions, but they don't have nursing unions. And yeah, then we have just all like Northwestern when Jake brought up mm. that uh, the techs are unionized, but the nurses aren't. And that creates a problem where the techs are like, okay, well, I did my 10 tasks for this, and I'm going to sit my ass down. Mm. That would piss a nurse off, right? Because oh, yeah. you have to have that intention of 
doing the care for the patient. They don't want to. Yeah, like we said, it's not numbers. You can't say this patient is going to need 10 tasks, this patient is going to need 12 tasks. It's not, not how it works. But that's how the union protects yeah. you. And that's that double-edged sword that sucks. You just need people with the right intentions. Yeah, that's true. All right, that's about all I have to say. Jesus, that was a good one, huh? Yeah, my neck hurts. If you guys like these kind of episodes, whoever listened this long, let us know where we're kind of more free balling it. We're just kind of free talking balling. about some shit instead of um, being very centered on a topic like plant-based diet or keto. Um, and, you know, we're going to get guests soon too, so it's going to be a little bit different where you're going to hear more of another person talking and less of us. Yeah. It should be cool. It should be fun. It will be. Guys, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening. Love you all. Make sure you guys balance your chakras. It feels great. All right, Talk to you guys, guys tomorrow. Keep Bye. it smooth.